Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to Creating a Family. Talk about infertility and adoption. Today's show is going to be a panel of adults who were conceived by donors. Listening to donor-conceived adults is so important. It's particularly important, I think, to parents who are currently parenting children who have been conceived through donor conception, as well as those who are thinking about it. Here's just a sample of what you're going to hear on today's show. Part of the shock of it was learning that I had been essentially lied to all of my life. Um, that was that was part of what made it so difficult to get through and part of what made it so earth-shattering. I am Dawn Davenport. I am the director of Creating a Family. We are the National Infertility and Adoption Education Organization, providing support and unbiased information before, during, and after adoption or fertility treatment to help create strong families. You can find us online at creatingafamily.org. We are a weekly radio show podcast, and to make sure that you automatically hear about each episode, the easiest way is to subscribe to our show at either iTunes or on the radio page of our website, creatingafamily.org slash radio show. We are underwritten by our corporate sponsor, Faring Pharmaceutical. Faring has a Heart Plus Pharmacy Savings Card, which helps patients, both cash-paying and insured, save money on their fertility meds, to get more information on the Heart Plus Pharmacy Savings Card, you can talk to your doctor or you can go to the Faring website at faringfertility.com slash heart. This show, as well as all the resources provided at and by Creating a Family, could not happen without the generous support of our gold sponsors who believe in our mission of providing unbiased education and support to pre- and post-adoptive families and to patients uh, and to the infertility patient community. Nightlight Christian Adoptions is one of our gold sponsors, and they have the uh, embryo donation program known as Snowflakes. We also have, let's see, Cryos International. They are a New York sperm bank, which are part of the world's largest international network of sperm banks. We also have other great sponsors whose generosity allows us to bring you this show. We ask that when choosing an infertility or adoption service provider, please consider choosing Run from the Creating a Family directories on the service provider page of our site. You can search by location or just the host of criteria we think are important when choosing, and by using these databases, you support those who support us. And we thank you. On today's show, we have a panel of donor-conceived adults. I'm going to give you their names and give you a little bit of information about them up front. One is Michelle Locker. And it's also her sister, Stacy Goldberg. And I'm sure Stacy's a great person in her own right. She's not just Michelle's sister, but anyway, we have Michelle and Stacy. We also have Stephanie Blessing and Matt Doran. Uh, all of them were conceived through sperm donation. They all were uh, raised in a heterosexual married family. Uh, in each case, their mother's egg was used. 
uh, and in all cases, their donor was anonymous. I thought we would get some of the bona fides out of the way, everyone, so that we could <laughs> jump into our discussion. Welcome, Stacy, Stephanie, Michelle, and Matt, to Creating a Family. Today, we're going to be talking, uh, I think it would probably, uh, first of all, let me just say that to our audience, we have attempted to get diversity of opinion here. But, of course, by virtue of the fact that, that all of these guys are in some way connected to the donor-conceived community, they they may have more interest than other donor-conceived people in this topic. So, anyway, I, we just thought we'd, we'd share that up front. We want to start with a little bit of a round robin here to kind of get your backstory to lay the groundwork. So I'm going to go around, starting with you, Michelle, if we can. Did your parents, did you know growing up that you were conceived uh, by donor and donor conception? And if so, um, at what age did you, uh, did you, did your parents talk to you? And if you were not, at what age did you find out? And we'll start with you, Michelle, and then, mm-hmm. then, uh, and then we'll do Stacy next and then Stephanie and then Matt. But we'll start with you, Michelle. Great. Hi, Don. Hi, Stephanie, Matt, and my sister, of course. <laughs> Thanks for having us on the show. Hello. <laughs> it's great to have you here. I'm truly looking forward to this show. Yeah, I think we are too. Um, it's nice to be able to voice our experiences and share with other people, especially those who are going down this path, what it's like to be donor-conceived. Mm-hmm. So to answer that question, um, for me, I had no idea. No clue. Uh, you know, as a child, you often ask, Mommy, was I adopted? But donor-conceived, no. Um, I found out around age 23, I think it was. I think think for you it was later. I think you were 26 and I was 23. Oh, is that right? (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, I love it having sisters on. I can tell you, (laughs) this is what happens when you have sisters on. I can tell you that um, I was living, I believe, in San Francisco at the time. I uh, came back to New Jersey to visit with my family. I was getting ready to go out with friends to get picked up, and I was sitting in the dining room eating Ben & Jerry's ice cream, watching the movie of the week, and there was an infertile couple, and they were considering sperm donation, and I looked at my mother, and I said to her, you know, if that was me, I would do that, and she looked at me, and she said, how do you think you got here? Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, this is Michelle talking. All right, Stacy, yes. uh, how did you find out? Did Michelle so, immediately get on the phone and say, hey, Stacy? <laughs> no, I was actually in the Peace Corps, and I came back for a brief visit, and we were all together. I don't know if we were in San Francisco or New Jersey, and we were talking about heritage and I said well some people think that I look Irish and Michelle said well you could be and I was thinking well how could that be and she said well you know our dad not our father Mm. I was kind of shocked and then it kind of made sense because my sister and I look very different in that Mm. she has dark hair and like you have a little bit more olive skin and I'm like blonde and fair and pink and it just—I don't know—it just was kind of interesting, and that um, I just kind of said, "Okay, then." And then I went back to Africa and uh, told all my friends there that you know I know my mom, but I don't know my dad. And 
that was kind of the story from there. Yeah. Just just hmm. one more quick, and I'll, I'll move on. Uh, my mother said that she didn't want to tell us because she was afraid that my paternal grandmother would write us out of her will if hmm. she knew that we weren't oh. her husband's children. Hmm. Huh. And and well, now I'm curious. Was your grandmother alive at that at the point that your mother told you? Yeah, she's still alive. Uh, have you been written out of the will? <laughs> For other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, has nothing to do with <laughs> donor conception. <laughs> Got it. So well, we don't really know. Other... We don't really know, but I would assume yes. Uh, that's a whole another show, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> our parents have, uh, our parents have uh, since gotten divorced. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so that, there you could be. Yeah, there could be a whole lot of issues going on. All right, yeah. Stephanie, how about you? Did you grow up knowing, or if not? When did you find out? Hi. No, I I didn't grow up knowing. I found out from my mom. Um. About two weeks after my 32nd birthday, um, five mm. years ago, and um, but growing up, I my sister looked very much like my mom, and my dad was a tall, dark, handsome man, and I was always um, dark, but I didn't look anything like my dad. And um, there was a family picture that always hung on our wall. Um, I was probably seven. My sister, who is <laughs> Surprisingly enough, my dad's biological child, they were married 19 years when my mom got pregnant with my sister, my half-sister. Mm. Um, so the four of us would hang on the wall, and I would look at this picture and wonder who in the world I look like, because I didn't look like my mom, and I didn't look like my dad. And I think I asked my mom several times growing up, um, who do I look like? Um, but I'd heard stories of her being pregnant with me and saw pictures of her in the hospital, so I knew it, I wasn't adopted, but I never could have conceived, no pun intended, of donor conception. Um, I thought my parents came as a package deal, and I just figured I was just one of those freak kids who didn't look like anybody in their family. <laughs> hmm. And Matt, let's tell us your story. Yeah, yeah so um, I found out at the age of 25, and I was actually during the um, – ultrasound of our first child, my wife and I, and afterwards I called my parents, and um, when you, you know, you see your, you see your child on the, on the screen for the first time, it changes your life, and um, I had asked since I was probably about the age of 12 um, how I was conceived, because I knew my uh, dad that raised me had testicular cancer when he was uh, 12 years old, um, but they had always led me to believe that um, they had just they were able to still extract some sperm, and um, that's even the story they told all his siblings and parents. So um, yeah, nobody in the family knew. And um, so after uh, I asked him that day, he finally told me the full story. What did you ask him on the day you saw you saw your child's sonogram, and that led you to right. call them and probably to share your excitement with them? Um, right. But what led you? What made you think then to say, "Was I donor conceived, or did you, or is that what you asked?" Um, I said, "I said, Dad, you've you've always told me how I was conceived. That your story of the journey, the hard journey of conceiving me, but 
I've always felt like you've left off the ending or you've left something out. And could you just tell me the whole story? Could you finish the story for me? And and that's when he he told me. It Without my mom's uh, permission. <laughs> Without your mom's permission. Why? Did, okay, yeah. first of all, uh, why did your... Uh, well, wait a minute, because this is a separate question. Uh, one of the right. things that I noted from each of, of your stories is that it sounds like each of you, at some point, or actually more than at some point, throughout your childhood, on, on repeated occasions, sure. wondered. And, and and most of you have mentioned the issue of, of how you looked. You looked at pictures and noticed a difference. Right. And then, Matt, in your case, your issue was more yeah. because you knew your father had cancer. Um, um, yeah, and there was also just kind of like a, a weird dynamic in our relationship. We didn't ever have that father-son connection uh, that I think most people share with their fathers. Um, I would consider him, describe him more as one of my best friends. Um, he has He's a good dad uh, overall, but um, there's just something missing there. And then... Uh, I did feel different. The doctor who inseminated my mother um, was very good at it. He was, uh, had a good reputation and tried to match the donors with the social fathers so that it would be anonymous and secret. And so I have blue eyes. He has blue eyes. We're about the same height. We're both kind of built the same. Um, so I never questioned it too hard, but I would look in the mirror, and I just always felt like I didn't know what I was looking at. And... Um, you know, being the only guy on this panel, um, I think every man during adolescence has that locker room moment with their dad. And <laughs> as, as weird as that sounds, maybe to all you women, but uh, I think I had a moment like that with him and uh, my uncle and grandpa and just, you know, forming my identity as a kid, and that always stuck with me. Well, and I, You know, one of the things that we see... <clears throat> I think it's beginning to change somewhat, uh-huh. but there is still a reluctance, and I think it would be fair to say that the majority of parents who are uh, conceiving children now through donor egg and sperm and embryo, we've had a number, quite a few shows. For the audience, uh, you can go to our website and listen to these shows, uh, go to uh, Infertility, hover over uh, well, egg donation or uh, sperm donation, either one, and the shows where we've, and we also have done shows on talking with children about uh, donor conception. Um, and I think it's fair to say that it's still the case that the majority of people are not telling their children. And one of the reasons they they tell themselves, I mean, there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, some of the, but one of the things they tell themselves, and we'll go through some of the reasons in a bit, but one of the things that they tell themselves is that their children will not know. Um, and, and what I'm hearing you say is that that, that, that that wouldn't necessarily be the case. Stephanie, you didn't mention as to why did your mother, uh, at, at the age of 30, when you were 32, uh, tell you about your conception? Um, my dad was developing um, health problems, um, something similar to Parkinson's, and so um, they lived a couple of hours away from us, so I, I didn't get to see him often, but whenever I did, I could tell each time that he was just going further and further downhill physically and, and even mentally sometimes. Um, and so I know how to use Google. I knew what he had. 
I um, could go to WebMD and, um, you know, find out is this something that I'm going to be dealing with in the future. And I just never did because um, sometimes you just don't want to know your future. Um, But but, uh, that particular day, uh, my mom and I were driving together. I was driving. We were alone, which never happens. (laughs) And um, I think it was just the sovereignty of God, honestly, that caused me to ask my mom, what's going on? with his medical history, his future, and is it genetic what he has? Do I need to worry about this? Just a random question. And my mom said, well, uh, we've never actually told you about how you were conceived exactly, and and there's a good chance that your dad's not your biological dad. And I was driving. Mm. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, if you've ever had a bomb dropped on you while you're driving, that was an interesting experience. But as soon as she said it, it made sense because I knew I didn't look like my dad at all. And so it was like all the puzzle pieces just immediately fell into place. And so it was um, it was just a random question about my dad's health that prompted her to finally tell me the truth. Yeah, I think that I think that we all have a tendency to underestimate children's curiosities as well as the the reality of as you point out genetics, the importance of genetics and and I think the the way medi- I think medicine is moving to a genetic uh a genomic base and I think that you know we're we're still a ways from that but I think we will we will get there. Um so when you found out that you were your the man who raised you your father was not your biological father um was it important to you to why was it was it important to you to get information um about the person who was your donor Stacy let me start with you on that one Well for me I'm kind of impartial about um the whole situation, I know my sister is very driven and motivated to find her donor father, and I feel that she has made so many connections but hasn't truly found that person. And for me, the interest is not as important. And I'm not sure why. I guess I've just accepted it, and I'm just living life as it is. As far as for medical information, I feel like I'm going to get my physical and I'm in the health field and I'm closer with my mother's side of the family and they have awesome genes and are living almost into their hundreds. They're all in their late 90s. So I don't really have the drive to to find out about my biological father. Okay, Michelle. Now you do, um, according to what Stacy just said, and what you and I have spoken before the call. So I do know, um, yes. knowing about your why is knowing about your donor important to you? I guess it probably starts because I had no relationship with my father. Uh, period. And that is probably the reason my mother finally told me. Um, she was kind of sick of the fighting and the arguing and the fact that we were at each other's throats kind of all the time. Um, I look just like, like, if you look at me and you saw the picture of my father, you would have no 
um, thought that we, he wasn't my father. I mean, he's six two, dark, and I'm five eight, dark hair, green eyes. So there's no reason why he wouldn't be my father. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was really no reason for her to tell me. But yeah, I because I think I had no relationship with him, or my sister did, growing up. I feel like there's something been missing from my life. And while I don't necessarily need a donor to take the place of a loving parent, I would just really like to know who he is. I just want to know. I feel like there's a little bit of me that's missing, and I want to fill that in. Mm. And it's a bit painful for me. And the pain comes from the feeling of not, uh, of just there's something, uh, that, that it, does the pain come from something that is that you feel like you're missing, or is there something else that's causing that that feeling of loss or pain? No, it's just a feeling of loss or pain. And I, it's hard to describe it other than just that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, what about you? Um, have you had uh, interest in finding information or finding about your donor or finding your donor? Uh, yes. I've um, I've taken a DNA test, um, and I've discovered his um, that he is an Ashkenazi Jew. Um, I know where he was in the late summer, early fall of 1976 when I was conceived. Um, I know that he has to have brown eyes because you can't get much browner than mine <laughs> and my mother. Um, has a blue eyes. I, there are things about him that I want to know because of my own medical issues that I have. I have children. Um, I know my husband's side. I don't know my side. Um, so I don't know what I'm up against with my children. Um, but but like Michelle said, there's just there's a there's a pain there. There's there's a missing place. My dad, my um, my social father, was wonderful. He was everything that any dad ever should be. Um, I know for a fact because he had his own biological child that he loved me the way he did her. Um, so there was nothing missing as far as that goes in our relationship. Yet there's still a hole where my biological father is missing in my heart. And I don't know that I necessarily, like Michelle, need some kind of relationship with him, but um, I would love a medical history. I would love a picture. I would love a name. And I I would really love to know for sure through a DNA test that um, he is actually my biological father and not just, you know, looking at pages through a yearbook and wondering, oh, well, could that be him or not? Mm -hmm. Got it. Mm. Now, Matt, I think your story is going to be a little more unique because you've actually found your yeah. donor. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, through right. a, a fair amount of sleuthing, I believe. So, um, yes. tell us your story. <laughs> uh, obviously, I've given it away. You are interested. <laughs> so, yes, why was yes, it important to get information? And and then how did I you think get echoing it? every echoing everyone that missing piece in my life, just wanting to finish the, my puzzle. And um, I did want a relationship with my biological father. Um, so after I found him through forensic genetic genealogy, um, I I've uncovered a lot of bad records. He had a criminal history, lost his medical license. Um, so, and, and I've 
contacted both his kids, and they they both have a lot of problems and don't want contact, um, and they don't even talk to their father. So, in a way, somebody might ask, well, why would you put yourself through that? But and I have a piece that I found answers, and I've been able to connect with uh, relatives of his who have been able to share with me more family history. Um, you know, my grandfather was an engineer like I am. I also found out that he died at the age of 33 from a brain aneurysm. So that's something that I should know about. And so there's two sides to um, searching. One of it's for myself, to find, find those pieces, make find those answers. <clears throat> and the other is for my children, for finding my siblings that I don't know. Um, I'm doing it for them, too. So, yeah, so that you will have, because of worrying of them uh, having a relationship with a somebody who is uh, fairly close uh, genetically, is that your concern? Right, or? right. It, okay. Yeah, I, for a lot of reasons. Um, primarily it would be the incestual probability. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a rumor online, and I've confirmed some facts with family and friends of his, that he was a career donor for um, almost a decade at the university, and had a nickname, and um, somebody rumored that I have over 300 siblings. And so the only way to connect with wow. them <laughs> is through DNA and the media. So um, that's why I'm willing to put myself out in the public is because I do want to find my siblings because I want to know them, but also to protect our children. Yes, yeah, so and I know I'm the only one that's found them because I did it through DNA, and no, I, I don't have any matches on the DNA databases yet. So, yeah, and you've, you've, you've I'm sure registered on the di- different d- the databases. Right, right. Twenty three and Me, Family Tree DNA, and Ancestry dot com. And I tell people, um, and donor, like and donor sibling, donorchildren.com. dot com. Well, I know that that's uh, yours. Oh. Yeah, but donor donor sibling network and 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 some. Uh, yeah, I'm not on there. I actually was kicked off after I launched my website. So, <laughs> exactly. so you're <laughs> they not, did not okay. want me there. All right, but the, the and there are some uh, fertility uh, uh, sperm banks now who uh-huh. have their have their own. But I, I would assume that you've. You're the the sperm bank um, probably wasn't actually a sperm bank, it sounds like, and so they probably do not have something for you. Yeah, I've gone to the school. I've um, I found this picture and the alumni uh, from the medical student graduates, um, and I got my mom's medical records, and all it mentioned was anonymous donor. Um, they requested over 170 pounds, blue eyes, and so I have a record of her ovulation charts. And that's about it. Um, wow. Contacting the school, they don't—they didn't provide me any information. I went to multiple mm-hmm. departments, and um, I was told that uh, Dr. Cameron, um, who was the doctor at the time, he died last October. Um, he destroyed the files. He had them in his personal file cabinet. So that's one theory, but I don't—I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, just so. for our audience, there are uh, there are sperm banks now who maintain. Well, number one. Have, have, so that you have contact information, but number two, that do have the ability um, to have on site themselves for donors and for donor conceived uh, children to um, to register on their site, so that if either one wants contact, the other one will be notified. Just that's 
for people to realize that that does exist now for for our audience who's listening. You know, and I'd love to throw out there that um, um, the doctor's name was Dr. William J. Cameron, and it was from the University of Kansas Medical Center in Kansas City, Missouri. So if anybody would like to connect uh, from there, you know, I'd love to meet you. And we'll give you our uh, where he can be contacted at the end of the show. Um, sure. Families who are currently cho- choosing sperm or egg donation or, or now embryo donation um, and they give various reasons and, and some very valid uh, as to uh, why they it's probably better not to tell their children when they're young. Interestingly, many people, at least now, uh, and I haven't seen this history recently, but they give lip service to the idea that, that they should tell, which is actually an improvement um, because I would say, oh, probably 10 years ago that, you know, that wasn't even, people weren't even saying that, maybe even five years ago, quite frankly. But but when there there has been done follow-up research, at least, and there's not been a lot of research on this, but, but there's, that they're not necessarily telling, especially not telling the children young. And one of the reasons they give is that they feel it will be confusing to the child. Um, and I know n- none of you were told as children, but as uh, and so it's in some ways uh, I'm asking you to imagine a scenario that did not happen. But, Stephanie, do you believe that it would have been uh, possible to – do you think it would have been confusing to you as a child? Would it be, was it better that you had perhaps not waited until you were 32? But um, are you glad that your mother waited until you were an adult, or do you wish that you had been told as a child? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. There is part of me that's very thankful that I was an adult um, to be able to handle it um with the capacity that adult, an adult has to be able to process everything um even though it was still incredibly shocking and and earth-shattering um but i i think as a general rule telling a child as a child is the best policy lying is never a good policy ever Somebody is in a very loud, or we're, we're picking up a lot of noise. Who is in a loud environment? And I will uh, mute you uh, until I yeah. ask a question. Is that you, Yeah, that's Matt? me. Um, yep, sorry what, about that. Oh, that's okay. Tell me what your area code is so I can uh, mute you. Uh, 303. Gotcha. Okay, I'm just going to mute you, and then I will, when I ask you, but you'll be able to hear. I'm sorry. We will do that. Yeah, our sound guys were having getting very confused here. Um, all right. So, okay, uh, yeah. So you could imagine, Stephanie, a scenario that, in fact, uh, it uh, in some ways may have been better, but yet, as a general rule, you believe that telling children when they were children. Um, Michelle, yes. how about you? Well, if I found out as a child, I don't think it could have been any <laughs> any worse <laughs> than it already was. So um, my father and I, as I mentioned, had a very tenuous relationship. I believe my mother had no interest in telling uh, me, at least, because she didn't want me to be one of those children that said, you know, you're not my father, so bugger off. But I did say things like that anyway to him. (laughs) So, uh, you know... 
today it's just so different, um, especially because so many same-sex and single moms are having children, and they, you know, as far as the adoption community goes, if we learn from them, they, you know, the rule of thumb is to matter-of-factly tell your children, and I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, that is that's the rule of my perspective now as an adult. Um, yeah. Do I wish I was told younger? I just don't think it would have made any difference, um, just given the relationship I had with my father and the fact that we didn't have any health issues in our family. So I suppose if I was sick as a child, um, it would have been good to know, or if my father or my father's family had um, illnesses, it would have been good to right. know. But we were lucky. So um, I don't find any fault with my mother for not telling us or telling me till I was an adult. Um, I don't know that I handled it the most maturely anyway, um, given the way she told me as well. Um, I don't have a great answer to that other than if it was going to be me moving forward now, I would just try and make you know the best decision possible given the circumstances for my child and my family. Stacy, both Michelle and uh, Stephanie uh, have talked about being uh, Stephanie's words were shocked, or Michelle's words were shocked, and Stephanie's were earth-shattering. Or, um, did you perceive the the news that you were conceived um, through donor sperm as either shocking or earth-shattering? Uh, for me, it almost kind of made sense because, as my sister said, um, she had a worse relationship with my father, but I was kind of impartial. We. I think of the time that's how father figures were. They kind of came home from work and went into another room and didn't really socialize as fathers of now do, how they're so involved in a family. But um, I think the situation that I was in, I was in, a, in the Peace Corps and I was already in this mental kind of um, shift in that hearing that news and being with my family, just knowing that my mother's side of the family and my mother and my sister were the most important to me. So I thought that that was the most important because not just my father, but my whole father's side of the family, they're very type of cold people versus my mother's side of the family. So open and we love to be together. And I think that was like the most important thing for me. Matt, another reason that parents give when they're uh, talking about concern for why they might not want to tell their child is that they are fearful that it will make the child feel less connected to their father and or their siblings if, if the siblings are, uh, are, are not conceived through the, the same donor. Um, what thoughts do you have on, on that, whether or not it would, uh, if had you been told as a child, do you think it would have made you feel less close to your dad or to your uh, siblings? Um, I have a sister, supposedly through the same uh, man. Um, she, we're DNA testing her um, currently, but haven't received the results yet. But I think we're fully related. Um, I, I think it would have made my life make a lot more sense just at an earlier age. Um, I think any of the disappointments or you know, short um, uh, expectations that weren't met uh, with my dad, I think would have been um, been more okay. And um, 
So it, it would have explained things more than confused things, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And I, when I found out, it was life. Shoot, sorry. Uh, it was life shattering in a sense of, um, you know, you hear something like that and it it rocks your world. But it wasn't it wasn't because he wasn't my father. It was because I didn't know who my father was, and um, I was raised under this false reality of life in a family that, um, you know, a family should be built on trust. And when that trust is broken, um, it changes the family dynamics. It it uh, affects relationships. Uh, yeah, you were a great uh, segue into uh, one of the things that we talk about is exactly the point that you just raised, and that is that one of the downsides to not talking to uh, children is that there will be both lies of omission and, and, quite frankly, outright lies that parents will have to tell to maintain the uh, the truth. Um, Stephanie, did in your case, did the uh, fact that when you were told, did you go back and realize, did you feel betrayed? Did you feel that there had been a trust bond that had been broken uh, because of having not been told? Or was that simply something that wasn't that important to you? Um, yeah, I did feel betrayed because my parents were always very forthright with me and very open, and we always had a good relationship. And so I was very shocked that they had kept something from me because that wasn't their character to do that. Um, yeah. It, Michelle, it how about just, you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Stephanie. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, Stephanie. Well, I, I was just going to say part of the shock of it was learning that I had been essentially lied to all of my life. Um, that was that was part of what made it so difficult to get through and part of what made it so earth-shattering <laughs> was that fact. So not the fact so much that your father was not your biological father, because in your case you were very close to your dad, but the fact, and my, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, I'm trying to understand, the fact that you had been lied to was the big deal, not that your father was not your biological father. Did I understand you correctly? Well, it was kind of all three things. The fact that I'd been lied to um, was, I, I had to deal with that at the same time as learning that my dad was not my biological father, and that was incredibly devastating. I think I spent the first six weeks mourning that loss, the, um, that loss of biological connection that I thought that I had. And then after that first six weeks was um, kind of over that shock, kind of faded a bit, then I realized, oh, there's this whole other man out there who is my biological father who is now missing from my life. So it was really the three things, the the shock from being um, lied to, the shock of my dad not being my biological father, and then the shock of missing this very important man in my life. Michelle, from your standpoint, was did you feel a lack of that, that that a trust had been broken because your parents had not told you the truth or your mother had not told you the truth? No, I didn't feel that there was any trust broken. For me, I was thrilled. When my mother told me that her husband wasn't my biological father, I was like, touchdown, this is great. My father <laughs> is an educated internist at the Cornell Medical Center in New York City. Oh, my God. I was thrilled that her husband wasn't my, my father. Um 
she did tell two of my aunts, and they had kept a secret. And if you know my family, <laughs> that is amazing. So I didn't feel there was any kind of trust broken. For me, I wish I knew sooner because I was already living on the West Coast, and if I had known at a little bit of a younger age, maybe in my early 20s or late teens, you know, since I'm kind of driven to find out who he is, it would have been a lot easier for me to access records and speak with her um, gynecologist and put pieces together. And for me, you know, leaving, leaving for San Francisco very shortly after, at the time, I really felt kind of helpless, like, what was I going to do? How was I going to find him from San Francisco? So I had let it go for a number of years. So that would be my biggest regret. Another reason that parents are concerned um, uh, when they think about telling a donor-conceived child is that they are fearful that there will be prejudice within the family against that child, that they will not be perceived, oftentimes their their concern is that they will not be perceived as 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 much of a grandchild or, uh, you know, as, in, in all senses of the word. Stacy and uh, Michelle has said that in your family that was your mother's concern. Do you have any thoughts on on that, uh, whether or not that is a, um, was that a, was your mother right? Was that a valid reason to be concerned? Well, I'm not even sure now, maybe Michelle can answer this question, if our father's side even knows if he's not our real biological father. Yes, because I told them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The things we're learning today. (laughs) I told them at lunch one day when we went to the diner in Clifton, when we were arguing about not having a relationship with him. Oh, okay. So we already didn't have a good relationship with that side of the family, his side of the family anyway. So I think if they knew or didn't know, we still didn't have that type of loving relationship. So I think it could go either way. I think the main thing is I don't feel that we were ever lied to because I never asked. I mean, I don't know if I truly said is dad or dad, but our mother is so vague about the whole situation that she just went to New York twice. You know, for Michelle, she went twice, and for me, she went once, and that was no, it. No, she didn't go to New York for you. Oh, she didn't go to New York for me? Okay. No, Michelle it was cheaper and more available in New Jersey. Again, my mother couldn't things, get pregnant. I mean, really, Stacey, this is the like things you learn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing, <laughs> it was um, it was my mother couldn't get pregnant after four years of being married, so she went to a fancy Park Avenue doctor, and he literally got her pregnant. And then to do it again three years later, it sounds like it was less expensive to just use a doctor in Hackensack, and that was for Stacy. Gotcha. Matt, in your family, was there concern that you would not be treated as as much of a member of the family, in this case your father's family, since uh, right. it's donor sperm? Um, and, and, and any thoughts on the, uh, that reason, which I think is, is, a, right. is a, certainly a valid concern that many parents have. Any thoughts on that concern? Yeah, sorry about that sound issue. I took care of it. Um, oh, okay. Um, 
two things actually the the one I didn't get to answer something on the last question about um being told at a younger age if I had known as a younger person I would have had a chance to potentially find my records from the doctor while he was still living um but to answer your current question about um my family yeah they um so far have all been very warm and loving and um still think of me as their nephew and um my dad's parents are both dead now and my dad told me one of the reasons he didn't tell me was actually because of his insecurities with his mother of he didn't want to hurt like bully him or bully me um so i found that very interesting um but the reality has been that everybody so far has been very uh open and still loves me so and stephanie uh was that a concern in your family uh or do you have any thoughts about uh, words of the wisdom to parents who are trying to decide now whether or not to uh tell their younger start telling their children when they're very young um as far as the how your uh, how you would be treated by grandparents and extended family well i'm i'm not sure that it was necessarily a concern on my parents part that my dad's family didn't know they didn't tell anyone including my mom's family um my dad's family my dad passed away 2 years ago um but my dad's family does know and things are the way they've always been they've always been a very loving and accepting family um i have a cousin who was brought into the family from a previous relationship and so she's not biologically tied either and you know there there's just no there's no difference in um in how I'm treated now than than I was before um but I was blessed with a, a very sweet family on my dad's side I you know as far as parents telling their kids I mean like I said I I think that being open is always the best policy um but it is a concern, I mean, because there are families who are not not as uh, loving <laughs> and accepting of um, outsiders, if I can use that word, as they would be their own. Yeah, well, That's I think something yeah, I think every family has to deal with. And it's a, and it is tough. It is very tough. You are listening to Creating a Family. Today we have a panel of donor-conceived adults talking about donor conception. Creating a Family has the largest infertility and adoption communities on the social networks, and they would be even better if you joined us. There are three ways to connect with us on Facebook. You can connect to our page, of course, facebook.com slash creatingafamily. You can like the page. In fact, we would love for you to like the page. You can also join our closed uh, support group. It is uh, Creating a Family Talk About Infertility and Adoption. Uh, and the easiest way to find that is just to type in the words Creating a Family in the search box. You can also connect with uh, me personally at dawn.davenport1. Uh, we have uh, we're we're big fans of Pinterest Pinterest around here. We'd love to have you. We have over 30 boards um, um, that just cover all sorts of things. It's a really fun place to hang out, uh, and we go by creating a family over there. And on Twitter, uh, we also go by creating a family. So we'd love to have you connect with us if you can. Um, 
I think one of the things, we have an essay on our site uh, written by a donor-conceived young woman who viewed her donor conception positively because it made her feel very wanted to know that her parents had had worked so hard to get her. Um, did you, uh, of course, you found out this woman, uh, this young woman uh, found, I, I believe, I have to go back and read, I believe she had, all, she had grown up knowing, uh, and I don't know if that influenced her or, or, or what. Uh, any thoughts on that, Matt, uh, as far as the perception of, of knowing how hard your parents had to work to, to get you? Right. Did, does that, did that make you feel right. uh, special in, 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 in any way? Um, yeah, I've always felt loved by them. Um, I think they are good parents because because of that. Um, but in the same in the same light, I've I've kind of felt like an object or something that they wanted to achieve um, or overcome, which is actually words that my dad has used. Um, and so, um, you know, no, I don't really want to be uh, my purpose in life to pleasure my parents. I want to be on this earth for something bigger than that and um and so I've kind of had two two different feelings about it. Yeah, I think that's I think that, yeah. that's understandable. Um Stacy, any thoughts on uh the did you did you after when you found out were there any thoughts that uh that made you feel special? Hmm. Well, um I just, I, I guess, I was just kind of a little bit shocked by it, but it's interesting because after I was told about this, I actually went and worked for an in vitro fertilization clinic, um, not because I was donor-conceived, just because it was the job available, and just knowing the amount of effort that some of the men and women go through to conceive a child, um, I was just... I just feel fortunate that my mom did go and make the extra effort because we have a great family on my mother's side, and I'm so glad to be part of it. Stacy, do you ha- not uh, uh, not not Stacy Stephanie? Do you have any interest in? Do you wonder about half siblings more than you wonder about your donor, or do you? Do you have any interest in uh, how do you feel about the concept of half-siblings, and is that of interest to you? That's of huge interest to me. Um, I would love to be able to find somebody through DNA testing. Um, like Matt, I'm, I've done the family tree DNA um, test, the autosomal test, and I, I would love to find somebody. Um, I think I've had some some close calls. I've connected with people who were um, conceived in Dallas and roughly the same within several years, um, but I haven't actually made any connections yet. Um, I, I would I would love to be able to find somebody who looks like me. The only people who look like me are my children. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I would love to find somebody who um, who not just looks like me, but to see how much we have in common. I mean, um, I've got, you know, quirky little things about me. Um, I've got a big toe that's kind of crazy, and I would love to see if somebody else had that. You know, just random things that I know came from my biological father that didn't come from my mom, um, just to see how they play out in other people. Mm-hmm. 
Michelle, what about you? I, 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 you have for you, it was a sense of relief not to be uh, connected to the man who uh, who raised you. What about uh, donor siblings? I know you're searching I for your also, donor. I also want to just say that I do love my cousins on my father's side. So, but you just can't compare the relationship we have with our father's side to the relationship we have with our mother's side. And like Stacy. I'm thrilled my mother did whatever she could do so that I was born into the family, the Locker family. Oh, my gosh. Um, as far as siblings go, half-siblings go, yeah, I'm dying to find them, dying. I've done matches, um, the donor sibling registry, family tree DNA, and I just sent in my um, sample for 23andMe. I've done... Uh, tests with a potential sibling and that wasn't a match and I did a test with a potential donor and it broke my heart that I wasn't a match to him because he and his wife in New- who are in New Jersey who went to Cornell who donated when it would have been the right time to donate for me are the most incredible people and so I am really disappointed that I haven't been able to find either a donor and or siblings. And, uh, and Matt, we already know you are um, actively yeah. searching for a potentially a very large uh, number of of half siblings. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. I would definitely love to meet any that I can find, and um, getting some local Kansas City media attention currently, and um, using DonorChildren.com, making groups for that. Hopefully, people will see that if they're searching for Dr. Cameron or anything related to that era. And I'm on all three DNA sites. So, yep, hoping it can yeah. happen any day. I feel like I could win the lotto any day. <laughs> <laughs> I hope some of this. I think we I all hope. feel that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, well, I hope this helps in some way, then, actually. We are so yeah. glad that you are listening to us on Creating a Family Today. We are talking with a panel of adult donor-conceived people. We primarily keep in touch with our audience through our twice-weekly e-newsletter. We let you know about the latest developments in infertility and adoption, as well as new resources we've added to our site, as well as the upcoming week's blog and show topic. Please join us. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at the top right of any page of creatingafamily.org. You know, as we as we talk about this, um, do you think that being conceived by use of donor sperm affects your feeling about your family just your we actually got a question it was it was very very long and so i'm not reading it and i and i actually couldn't even paraphrase it very well but it was like almost a two page <laughs> well it's an exaggeration but it was over a page um when when on the asking and the essence of what the person was asking is is knowing that you were conceived by that you don't have a genetic connection to one of your parents does that lessen your feeling of family, of being a part of that family. Uh, Michelle, I'll start with you. No, doesn't. Okay. It doesn't, Thanks. but it's hard to say, like what Stacey would say, because our families are so different. Do I feel, you know, knowing what I know, do I feel like we're any less connected than we already are to my father's family? No. I don't think that made a difference. It was what it was, and that so it doesn't. It was what it, it was, yeah. and it is what it is. Yeah. Stacy, how about you? Does it affect your feeling of connection? In this case, it would be to your father's family. 
I have the same response, Matt. I feel that our relationship kind of fizzled out before we even knew that we were donor conceived. Mm-hmm. Once our parents got divorced, that was it. It didn't matter about the donor conception. Yeah, there were bigger issues, bigger fish to fry, right? <laughs> bigger issues. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Stephanie, does the fact that you are uh, do not have a genetic connection to your father does it lessen your feeling of connection to your nuclear family, your well, the family you came from, your mom, your dad, your sisters, your siblings, um, as well as your connection to your dad's side of the family? Does it does it undermine that sense of family for you? I don't think it did at all. Um, my dad was such a good dad, um, and his family was wonderful. So there was no uh, no feeling of loss or anything like that there. Um, I do miss out on my biological grandparents, though. Um, m- my last two living grandmothers passed away in the last two years. And um, it makes me wonder if I still have a grandmother, grandfather out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And Matt, how does it affect your sense of connectedness mm-hmm. to your uh, parents and sister, as well as to your dad's side of the family? Um, it, from their perspective, um, I don't think there it, it has changed as much. For me, it, it feels different just based on. Um, that sense of betrayal and not having information and there's uh, half of me that's still a mystery in a lot of ways um and not being able to know my paternal family um so that's kind of a wound and it's kind of a void that I'm not sure will ever disappear um but uh we're still a family and it's caused struggles but um you know we it's a process to work through all the issues cuz it's it's fairly complicated yeah, uh, and yeah. it doesn't affect your sister uh, you, because you have a sister as well mm-hmm. who um, right. be a full sister from what you know. Does it? Sure. Uh, does, is her perception? Well, that's probably an unfair question because no sister wants her brother speaking for her. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> does it right. uh, affect her uh, uh, connectivity to the family? Um, for her, she would probably say no. She has uh, taken it kind of probably more like Stacy, where she's been more. Um, indifferent or um just not pursuing it as like Michelle and I and Stephanie um but and it's been interesting um at, through my journey and the things I'm finding out she's becoming more interested and wants to know and now she's going to DNA test and so her her attitude is changing as I'm finding out answers but um she she has hasn't taken it as uh hard as I have with the family yeah, and I think yeah. you know I think it's important to note that any time we talk about groups of people, we find this with adoptees. One of my pet peeves is it feels like that when people speak about adopted people, it's they want to lump them and be able to make generalizations about this hugely huge group and a hugely diverse group. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, that's, that's simply it's it's dehumanizing to me when I hear people do that. And I would say the same. Um, for the uh, donor-conceived community, that that not, we are not trying to say that you guys represent the average, because I don't think there is an average. I certainly know that there are some people who it is simply just not an important thing. For other people, it's an extremely important thing. So we're not, uh, we are not any of us trying to say that we uh, that any of the people on the panel speak for the 
the the whole the universe of of donor conception. One last question. Um, this uh, uh, I have read uh, from uh, donor-conceived people that they find it an awkward subject to bring up with other people. And it occurs huh. to me that not many of us talk about our conception. So how often <laughs> does it come up uh, in conversation, or do you feel the need to uh, to bring it up with people and say that you are donor-conceived? And do you find that there is a lack of understanding in the general community, whereas there might not be a lack of understanding because adoption, say, for instance, is more common? Um, let's see. Matt, we'll start with you on that one. Um, yeah, I definitely bring it up. Um, and it's I kind of get mixed um, responses. I'd say most people kind of accept it quickly or um, say, you know, well, you – your father is the father that raised you, and why does it matter? And, and um, but then other there are a few people understand and they they listen, um, but it definitely gets brought up. Um, yeah, by, because you feel I, the need I, to bring it up, or do people just randomly? I, yeah, I, I would say I feel the need because I do want to educate people, and it's also such a part of my identity that it's hard to not share it. Okay. And um, even growing up my whole life, I've, I've been told I look familiar. And um, I've got re- some really weird stories that I won't tell now. But um, but even I have weird moments like that where I have conversations with people that seeing if there's a relation. All right. Um, let's see. Stephanie, do you feel the need to um, – Bring up uh, is it something that you feel comfortable talking about, and do you? And, and if so, is it something that you bring up, or is there any reason to bring it up outside of close circle of friends? Um, I don't have any problem bringing it up, but I do bring it up much less now than I did before when it was so in my face and um, <laughs> so heavy on my mind, um, like it was in the first couple of years. Um, okay. It's it, I do bring it up. I've never said the word sperm so much in my life as I have in the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> That's not something that would have been part of my daily vernacular for four or five years ago, but, you know, things change. <laughs> I have to tell you, I'm, uh, my children are teens and beyond at this point, and because I speak of sperm and, and eggs all the time, it's something that just rolls off of my tongue, which I might say uh-huh. that they really wish was not the case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If they could choose one thing, that would certainly be high on their priority list. Please, Mom, just don't say sperm. Oh, gosh. Uh, Michelle, what about you? Is this something that uh, – do you advertise it because you don't want to be associated with your the man who raised you? No, no. Um, you know what? I um, tried to be single mom by choice, and I'm still going down that path, and actually did a couple rounds of IVF so uh, with donor sperm. Um, so I'm in a very unique situation in that I am donor conceived and was trying to conceive via donor sperm. So I actually bring it up quite a bit. I feel an obligation to let other single moms who are contemplating going down this path to know what they're getting into. And I'm not against donor sperm or donor eggs, but I am against anonymous donor. So my my recommendation is to always, when possible, you know, use a third-party facility and always, always choose an open donor. It's a gift you want to give to your kids. They might not want to know, but if they do want to know, at least they'll have the, op- the option. 
You know, that's exactly what I have, uh, the, the position that I tend to preach is that you don't know what's good, whether your child is going to be one that wants this information, and they may not. And if they don't, fine. But if they do, if they're one of, if they're like at least three of you on this panel, where it's very important, that's something you would be nice that you can provide to. Not just nice. I think it's important to be able to provide that to your child. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, uh, if if uh, if in case because you don't know when you before you conceive a child, whether your kids can be one of those that it's really important to, or not. Um, Stacy, I'm gonna. Uh, do you have anything quick to add? We are. We have come to the end of our time. Uh, whether this is something that's important to you to bring up, I'm gonna guess not, since you, this is not as big a deal for you. Right. I don't feel comfortable bringing it up, but I feel just all of this has happened for us greater than 40 years ago, and now with the technology and records, that would be so easy to locate someone if there were the records. And when we did. It's all on paper and it's lost. So even if it was type of an open type of donor, those records are not able to be accessed right now. Right. If they, they were not, if they hadn't agreed to at the beginning, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Well, I need to take pause right now to take a moment to thank a few more of our gold sponsors and to remind you that it is through their generous support that we can bring you this show and all the resources at Creating a Family. We have Fairfax Cryobank. Fairfax has been a leader in sperm donation for over 20 years, and I guess it's relevant to the show to mention, is dedicated to supplying updated, verified, and accurate medical and personal information on their on their donors. We also have the law offices of James Fletcher Thompson. They are a South Carolina firm committed to assisted reproductive law and to adoption. Uh, If you have enjoyed this show, and we would very much appreciate uh, a rating on iTunes. It's how iTunes uh, knows whether to uh, recommend it, and we recommend the show to others. We are uh, ranked as number one in both infertility and adoption, and we'd like to stay there. So we really would appreciate it if you would give us a star rating. It's it's quick, um, and if you uh, have a little extra time or are feeling a little more generous, we would love to have you you know give us a, a written rating as well. Thank you, Michelle Locker, Stacy Goldberg, Stephanie Blessing, and Matt Doran for being our guest today on Creating a Family. If you want to participate in a discussion on the topics of this show, check out my blog tomorrow at creatingafamily.org slash blog. Matt, your organization is uh, donorchildren.com, uh, and there is also donorsiblingregistry.com that, uh, for people yep. who are listening to this to want more information, um, those are right. two sources. And you've also heard some other mentioned. Stephanie, you mentioned briefly that you have a blog where you blog on something, not always on this topic, but sometimes. Um, do you want to give us your blog now so that our audience could um, uh, get more information on you? Sure, um, and I'll just say real quickly, the reason I started this blog is because as a Christian who is donor-conceived, I couldn't find any other Christians talking about this outside of clinical-type um, articles. Mm-hmm. So that's why I started mine, um, just to be kind of a different voice in the many many voices out there. But my blog is donorchild.blogspot.com. All right, donorchild.blogspot.com. And, Michelle, I know that you're active on uh, Donor Sibling Registry. Are there any other uh, websites that you would like to uh, let others know about who might want more information on this? Um, I think uh, Daughter of a Donor um, is another blog that is pretty interesting, thoughtful, Mm -hmm. and I think the woman is out of the U.K., 
That's interesting. You know, we, I should mention, we do have a blog role of donor-conceived people. I don't know whether daughter of a donor is added. I will add that. If not, or I'll have us uh, add that. And as well, I will also add, uh, Stephanie, your blog as well to the blog role. Uh, I think our uh, our community has a list of that. Don't we have a list we could share with Don? Uh, yeah, Don, I'd like to add uh, Donor yeah, Children Matt, Matt, has a page called Resources, and we're okay. keeping a long list of all the blogs mm-hmm. and registries and different social network groups where people can get connected. So you could go check okay. that out and add those to your site. Okay, I will. Yeah, yeah, our, we do try. Go ahead. Our donor-conceived adult community um, can be as active as you want to. There's a Yahoo group. There's a couple of different Yahoo groups and also through blogging. So if people are really looking to find out what it's like to be donor-conceived from an adult perspective, there's a tremendous amount of resources. There really and are. On Facebook. Yeah, and it's, it's exciting in a way that we've, we've – I think that this community is kind of beginning to come into their own, and I'm, I'm very and I'm very thankful for each of you for being on the show today because I, I've, I think it is important that those of us who are, are in our community who are parenting – uh, children are considering parenting children conceived through um, either egg or sperm donor or embryo donor, that uh, we do hear the voices, just as we think it's important that adoptive parents hear the voices of adult adopted people. So I, I think that this is something that we will continue to try to be uh, an active uh, participant in, in helping get the voice out to the, uh, in particular to the community of people who are currently raising <laughs> children. Mm-hmm. So thank you all uh, for being on today's show, and thank you for the audience, and uh, I will see you next week. And now, an ad from Dad. All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? Good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, a bit pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.